The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. I was just reading emails from several of you who, who listened to the show in the archives and were, were thanking everybody involved because they're inspiring. I love my inspiring guests. And, oh, we have an inspiring story for you today. Multiple stories all about one very old soul across the veil who passed very young. But that's what we're going to be focusing on today, what it means to be an old soul here in physical form and how old souls communicate to us once they get across the veil. Before we dive into that, I just wanted to let you all know I'm very excited that I'll be offering a free live online channeling of my guide Sanaya on December 20th. If you're listening in the archives, it's this year 2020. December 20th, you can find more about that on my website in the events calendar. You need to go there to get the link. We're doing it live on YouTube, but you have to use that link to get there at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, United States, on the 20th. So I hope you can join us. It'd be really cool to be in that energy. And this past Tuesday, December 8th, I did a webinar in which I shared a miraculous series of events surrounding a visit by Robin Williams from across the veil. It was uh, amazing how he helped me piece together a just a wonderful series of magical moments leading to some wonderful teaching for all of us about who we are and how we're already whole and already home. You can actually still get a link to that webinar on my website under mentoring. So let's get to the present moment here. My guests today are husband and wife. We have CK and Mabel Chan. I first met CK and Mabel when they reached out to me to ask for a reading. Their son, Leo, had crossed the veil. And we actually did that reading in person when Ty and I traveled to Vancouver, Canada, because Mabel and CK live there. And so Leo came through so clearly, such an amazing communicator, but a truly impressive young man to the point where I don't think I'd ever met anybody so so wise beyond his years and 
We're going to talk about the way Leo passed and the way Leo has come through across the veil. I've actually done three readings for Mabel and CK, but I really want to focus on how Leo lived his life while he was here, and Mabel and CK are more than happy to share that with us. I've done a lot of talking already, but we'll uh, just welcome you both to the show. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Thank you for having us. And hello to You're... all your listeners out there. Yeah, we have a lot of listeners who know your story. Let me just share it with those who don't. I know that, Mabel, you wrote Leo's story. The book is hot off the press called The Infinite Bond, My Son's Message from Across the Veil. And I'm honored that you asked me to write the foreword to it. So I'm well familiar with the book. Uh, I have your biography, Mabel, not so much about CK, but you were born and raised in Hong Kong and trained as a clinical social worker. You and CK moved to Canada in the early 80s and, like I said, now live in British Columbia. But even though you've studied world cultures, ancient Chinese literature, you and CK are both well-educated, you state that you consider Leo to be your greatest teacher. Yes. <laughs> and why is that? Well, I know you would want us to share about him while he was still here in person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump to what he has taught me okay. um, since his transition. And, you know, there have been questions that I've been asking myself throughout life, and he gave me those answers. First of all, death is not what it seems to be. Yeah. He's shown us clearest day, like you always say, that he's not gone. It's not over. If we could just stop for just a second there and don't lose this train of thought, but everybody, just as we were talking before the show started, I asked Leo to step in and he showed me a fedora hat with a feather in it and stroked that feather as if to say, this radio show is a feather in your cap, mom and dad. And it turned, but it felt like a double meaning. And it turns out that CK has found several feathers in the last few days and they have a fedora hat sitting right in front of them. And then just as a current event, Leo showed us that dad has some dental issues and in fact, he has some dental appointments coming up very shortly here to deal with several issues. So just a little quick bit of evidence that that mom and dad are here in physical form, but Leo is also with us from across the veil. So that first lesson that you shared with us, Mabel, absolutely true. He showed us there is no death and they're still with us. Sorry to interrupt you, but keep going. No please. problem. I'm just so thrilled that Leo answers my call and come and <laughs> join us for this interview with you. He knows you very well, and he's very appreciative of you, Suzanne. <laughs> he's, and, playing um, a, he's playing a brass instrument for me now. I believe I just saw in the book he was in the band, but he's like, he says, my mom is leading the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want Leo to lead, please. <laughs> um, we're talking about, you know, what he taught you. how he is my uh, greatest teacher. So he's taught me about you know, he has, he has helped me let go of the fear of dying or mm-hmm. death. It's nothing like what most people know it to be. So I told people around me, be happy for me when I die. And most people look at me thinking I'm crazy anyway. <laughs> uh, I also know I have no control over when it's going to happen. 
Yeah. Leo told me in his human voice after his transition. I mean, not, not in his human voice, but in black and white on the big screen TV. Until it's time for you to go. Can it be clearer that I can't choose to go? <laughs> work to do. Yeah, still have lots of work to do. And he's also my greatest teacher on how to live while we're still in the physical. Yeah, I want to get into like that, him. Mabel, by, by giving... I'm going to prompt you from things that are in the book and ask you to share these stories. I was laughing out loud just a few minutes ago in the living room as I was reviewing this, which stories to share. And Ty didn't ask me, what are you laughing about? Because he knew it would come up on the show. But they're just stunning that a young child would do some of the things he did. But before we get to that, would you briefly share, although I know it's painful, let everybody know how Leo passed, just so we get that for the record. Sure, I will. I, I have the strength to talk about this now. And that's one of the, the, the blessings he has given us. You know, the pain is always looking behind, but there is more peace than pain these days. I can talk mm. about him and think about him with a smile on my face. That's what I'm doing now. And that, uh, is, that is a blessing because I, I knew you went shortly after he passed and oh there wasn't a lot of smiling so it gives hope to others that you can get to that point hmm. yeah oh sure it takes time and patience and uh i was afraid to smile i was afraid to have fun you know when he after he transitioned and uh, i realized that you know i'm allowed to have fun and joy he wants us to enjoy life while we're still here Back in the, the physical. Story. So, yes, you can say back to the story. Leo <laughs> was only 19 years old when he suddenly and unexpectedly passed, returned to the spirit realm. He was in second year at the University of Victoria, which is quite a ways from us. We have to travel half a day to get there. So he contracted what is uh, meningococcal disease, which is similar to meningitis. It is one of the fatal strains that mm. took him almost immediately. The doctors later told us he could have died right that night when he entered hospital. But he stayed for us. He stayed for us to reach where he is, where he was. He stayed for us to understand, to realize that we had to let him go. After five days in the ICU. Yeah, there was ICU. And I, I don't want this to happen to anybody. Yeah, Mabel, yeah. you are a force. And I recall when, when I first met you, you were on a mission to make sure that didn't happen to anybody. Why don't you just briefly tell people, thanks to what you learned about Leo's illness, this, this strain of meningitis, how you were able to change things. I have to say that I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. I have divine support. Nice. From Team Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Team Leo, indeed. Leo, you know, all the earth angels and the divine beings of love and compassion. Looking back, I was so depressed, so exhausted. I thought there was nothing I could do. 
But I also realize it's not over. It's not over. I kept. Leo would like us to do something. Yeah, to honor him, we have to do something. So we started raising awareness about this fatal meningitis and about the vaccine that could save lives. We found out that there has been a vaccine six years before his passing. That's available. But the Mm. government here did not tell anybody. In Canada, uh uh-huh. Canada, in British Columbia. Columbia, You see, health is regulated uh, provincially, province by province. Ah. So if he was in Toronto, where he was born, we would have known because we would be given a consent form to sign before he started university. But not here. Not in the United States. So I want to uh, get really dive into Leo as a child, were you able to change the legislation? Eventually, four years later, that is in 2016, this quadrivalent vaccine was has been adopted as part of the standard vaccination procedure for mm-hmm. all the students, for the grade nine students. So now every young person here in British Columbia will get this shot before they go to university. So it's interesting. I have goosebumps all of a sudden because you're you've made you've left a legacy in Leo's honor here, and it's not just that lives will be saved, but also the book based on Leo's life. So it's, it's truly phenomenal how you changed your family's tragedy into something that is truly life-saving. Well, like I said, I'm only, I'm only the vehicle. I cannot take all the credit. But well, you're I, humble like your son. Both of you are. I wish you all could meet uh, CK and Mabel. They're just gentle, <laughs> loving, beautiful souls, completely focused on service to others. And it's no wonder your son was like that. But what was the phrase that the question, I know the answer to this, <laughs> I'm prompting you. The question that Leo asked you still as a child that kind of stopped you in your tracks, how could a young boy ask this? Yeah, he he was behind my back, and all of a sudden he was he saying, was around 11 at the time. Oh, no, I think eight or nine. I, I don't know. I can't remember because I didn't want to. In the book, you to. say eight years old. <laughs> yeah, around that age. I was very young. And all of a sudden he was saying, like, you know, like a, a wise old man, as usual, <laughs> Mom, do you know that our mother and son bond will never be broken? I was, my, I know I wasn't facing him. I was freaked out, actually. I didn't even dare turn around. Out the blue. Out, and I couldn't, I was, I was speechless. CK wasn't here. He, he, I was not around at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was speechless. But, you know, he has always been a precocious child, saying things and using words that, that are really beyond his age. So yeah, Mom, do you know our mother and son bond will never be broken? And now the the title of the book yeah. about yeah. eternal life is called The Infinite Bond. Wow. Yeah. So when yeah. I decided to, to turn my writing, my, all my writings into a book, 
it came up right away, what he said. And I said, sure, our infinite bond, the infinite bond. Yeah. And now I can answer him, yes, Leo, now I know our son will never be broken. The bond. The bond will never be broken. Mm -hmm. So to show that he was a bit advanced, in grade three, he asked you to take him to Dharamsala to see the Dalai Lama. Now, where did that interest come from? Now, isn't that interesting? A young child. (laughs) (laughs) I was more concerned with the logistics at that time. I guess. How do I take him over there? It's so far away. And uh, I know that it's not easy to have an audience with His Holiness. You know, by that time, Leo was already a very avid reader. So I'm sure he has read about the Dalai Lama. Wasn't he he carrying the Times newspaper to school in elementary school? Yes, yes. Yeah. (laughs) We have been uh, subscribing for a long, long time. And uh, so that was the only magazine in our house all the time. And as an only child, he has all the time to read and not yes. to just... So that was just an aside. I want to get back to the Dalai Lama because it's a really pretty cool story about how that actually unfolded. He actually got to see him. He actually got to see him because I thought, Leo, I said to him, you know, it's so far away. I thought, you know, I'm just going to tell him it's, it's going to be diff- difficult to really take you there. And who who would have thought that the Dalai Lama actually would came come. here, yeah. would come to Vancouver? <laughs> and he was right there on the stage with him. Yeah, but with let him. me give the, the quick background there. That she found out that nobody could get tickets to get in, except if you were in the children's choir that was going to sing at his talk. So yeah. being the I good would... parent here, Mabel, you drove him three hours each time to take him to the rehearsals. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not a, I'm not good with directions, so I was actually <laughs> quite scared every time because I have to go to the downtown inner city area, which I'm not familiar with. But somehow, deep inside, I knew that had to be done. And, and he so was he so got to sing for the Dalai Lama and sent and gave him left a a note for. His holiness with his photo in it, right? Morning, he wrote a letter in an envelope, <laughs> and he put his picture inside. <laughs> Eight you know, years he's old. so pure and so innocent. Yeah. He thought that, you know, he would get to give it to the Dalai Lama. And, of <laughs> course, somebody told him I would give it to him. And he trusted that person. I would still like to know if the Dalai Lama... Oh, I- Oh, I was just going to tell you, I just got my lip twitch and the little thumbs up sign that Leo says he got it. He saw it. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I got goosebumps. So I have to have you share the stories that made me laugh out loud downstairs (laughs) when I was reviewing the book. Everybody, you have to read The Infinite Bond. It's just, it's so inspiring. I truly mean this. So when Leo was in third grade. Leo, in third grade, he goes home and tells his parents that a boy in school has been taking food from him and some of the other kids. We can just picture that because kids are like that. Now, 
I don't know that I defined what an old soul is. It's a person, the soul has really been around the block more times than most. They know why we're here. They know that we're here to love each other and to deal with things from the heart and not the way normal humans would. So tell us a story about when the child in third grade was taking food from Leo and others in the class. Oh, I sure would love to do that. So he came home. I don't think it would be the first time, but I, I think eventually he knew that he had to tell me. And, uh, and he told me that this little boy, and I know which one he's talking about, his face, had, he had the face of an angel. <laughs> so who would have thought that he would be taking food from all these uh, 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 Chinese-looking kids, you know? He's only taking them... <laughs> From the Chinese kids, and there mm-hmm. were a few of them. So I told Leo, go to the teacher, because that's how I was taught in my days. If somebody mm-hmm. didn't do, if somebody does something to you that's not right, you go and report it to the teacher. So he said, Mom, I did, you know, and it has been more than once. But the teacher, you know, he wouldn't listen to me. He didn't think that it's true. I yes, was. The, the boy was a monitor. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Why the teacher has more faith in that boy than in Yeah, he was a real. fool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I told the other moms who, who, who I would meet when I go to pick Leo up, I said, you know, I can go and talk to the teacher on behalf of all of you. Because they all told me, oh, you know, we can't speak English well, we, we can't do this, we can't do that. They were scared. And I said, I can do it. I can write. I can speak up for you. But they said, no, 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 no. They don't want to get into trouble. They thought it would be trouble. So I was so distressed because I felt that it's my obligation to protect my son and to show him that, you know, you have to speak up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to back him up. Yeah, I have to back him up. I have to show him that I'm going to protect you. Well, but, there's a way to get things settled. Yeah, you know? by negotiation or whatever or you call by, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I went to the I went to the principal, and the principal won't talk to me. Mm. He decided to listen to the teacher and not to me. And I got even more upset, <laughs> but I didn't know what to do. And then one day. Leo came home and showed me this piece of paper, drawings <laughs> and some words, and he had that signature of that little boy. I I didn't ask Leo, how did you get it? But what what did what had this bully signed? What was on the paper that Leo had? Well, it not says, do it again. "Yeah, I will not take food from you again." <laughs> so everybody. Leo wrote a piece of paper, took it to the bully, and somehow got him to sign an agreement, an admission of guilt, and agree that he had been doing it, and he promised not to do it again. (laughs) And they took it to the teacher, and now the teacher couldn't deny it. So how your son was able to get that statement from the bully through mediation (laughs) with with no violence, no no bad words. And you know what? Just cracks me up. I was so excited. I went to school with him the next morning, put it in front of the teacher's face. (laughs) 
And then they arranged for a meeting, you know, the principal, the teacher, me, and CK and Leo. And the teacher was getting smarter. The first thing he said is, I'm sorry, Leo. I'm sorry that I didn't listen to you. Hmm. Nice. Now, before we run out of time on the first half, a similar event happened in Leo's first year of high school when he brought his iPod to school, locked in his locker when he went to gym class. But when he looked for it afterwards, it was gone. How did that one end up? And that ended up very similar to what happened when he was in grade three. He came Tell home us. and told me what happened. I guess not right away, but when he decided to tell me, I learned about it. And, well, actually, I told You reported to it to the school authorities, according to your book. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Because I thought, you know, people, I already have a, a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> I think. And I respected Leo that he has the ability to take care of things yeah, in, in, a, in a civil manner. So in how very... did he take care of this one? Somebody well, has he, stolen he, he, he his iPod out of his locker. One of the vice principals that took care of discipline. And that was a guy who was six foot four or something like that. And he told me, everybody is afraid of this vice principal. And the vice principal told Leo, I already heard about it. <laughs> I'm taking care of things. Yeah, but once again, Leo got a signed statement from the student who stole the iPod. He had a talk yes. with the student. How did he ever get that? And that I mean, it just blows me away. A very mean person. How did he yeah. get somebody to admit taking something like Even that? Signing. Yeah, it's it's beyond admission. It's to say, yeah. yes, I can. I'm trying to put myself. Leo's laughing right here. Put yourself in that position to you go up to the tough kid, known to be a tough kid, and say, "Would you mind just signing this paper here to agree that what we just talked about is true?" <laughs> and he does. He, he could have been beaten up. <laughs> but yeah. you know what? Yeah. I didn't know until much later that Leo has always been asked to help these students. Yeah, this is the thing. He was actually tutoring them, giving them advice. All the bu the kids that bullied him, he yeah. would help them. It's just a beautiful story. Yeah, I didn't know about this because I, you know, I would have rushed to the school and told the principal what to do. <laughs> well, we're about to go to a break, and we're going to talk about some signs from Leo. So many signs, and but a little bit more about what Leo was like, and something that he told us in our reading. Uh, I hope you all come back because it's, it's truly an example of why you go to the head of the class when you cross the veil, why Leo is such a good communicator. See you in just a few minutes. Thank you. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. 
Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. We're talking with Mabel and C.K. Chan about their son, Leo, who crossed the veil from a very short illness. But now he's so clearly with us, literally right now during the show. Mabel has a beautiful website called leoinspiresus.com. I really encourage you to check it out. She's a beautiful writer, and she's also put that writing to good use in the new book, The Infinite Bond, which I highly encourage anybody who wants to be convinced there is an afterlife to read. I, in the foreword, I wrote that you know halfway through this book, you're, you may be saying from the vast amount of signs that Leo gives, enough already, I get it, there's an afterlife, and yet you can't put it down. You have to keep reading one magical story after another. And that's what opens our awareness to the fact that there is a greater reality. But we were just talking about how Leo is an old soul and very, very unique as a child in helping those who bullied him, getting them to sign statements, admitting to their faults. But there was something else very unique about Leo, and that's his hair. (laughs) Tell us about that, because there's a reason I'm saying this. Yeah, the hair is a big deal. You know, uh, Daddy was the one who trimmed his hair and would give him a crew cut when he was very young. And then when he was in middle school, he told us, no, I don't want that haircut anymore. (laughs) So we took him to our hairdresser, and uh, she has been the one doing his hair all his life. And as you have seen in his pictures, there's no part in his hair. Why don't you share about what he told you? I would love that. In the third and most recent reading I did for you, Leo said to me, he tapped the top of his head and he said, I had no part in my hair. And you both confirmed that. And then he said to me, that's an analogy for life. Because he emphasized that most of us go through our days seeing everything from a fixed point of view. And he noted that if a person parts their hair on the right side or the left side, they rarely change that throughout their life. But because And in other words, they don't change their point of view either. But in that reading, he said, because he had no part in his hair, hair, it was the way he saw life as well. He saw everybody equally and encouraged all of us in that reading to do the same. So even when he's come through from across the veil, imparting some incredible philosophies for how to live life. Hmm. He had stated to you both when he was a child, he he said, I'm going to be the prime minister of Canada. (laughs) 
Yeah, he told CK's good friends when they ask him, you know, they always like to ask, oh, what are you going to be when you grow up? And so that's what he aspired to when he was very young. I think he knew since he was a young child that his mission here is to serve. And, and that's think, what came through in the first reading. He started. I said he's he's talking to people. He's all about justice for everyone. He's wants yeah. to be a politician. It was just so clear. I I wanted to emphasize what I said right before the break that those who really get that while they're here, just instantly across the veil, want to share that main message with others is beyond just sending signs to their loved ones. They want us to know this is what life is all about. Seeing each other at the soul level. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I have to add that. um, He was being laughed at when he says he wanted to be a politician because politicians have a, politicians have a bad reputation sometimes. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, he was trying to say, I want to serve. I want to be in public public service. And uh, that is the kind of uh, uh, training he has from us, you know, to serve. Yeah. To to share what you have. And actually, when he grew up, when he was older, he told me a couple of times, he says, Mom, all I wanted to do is to be a judge on the Supreme Court. (laughs) Some changes. Along the way. <laughs> I've never yeah. written about this. Mm-hmm. Well, but I want to just before we transition into talking about the signs that he's left, some of the, the magical moments, uh, a very profound statement that he made to you once. Mom, do you know what the most powerful weapon is? Yeah. What was his answer? Yeah. And then he answered words, W-O-R-D-S words oh we never forget that and why did he say that why did he say words are the most powerful weapon well don't you agree because you know if you say something mean you can never take them back and the person who who heard those mean words will remember them forever but if you say something kind and nice the one who received the words would be helped, would be encouraged. It can change a person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I said, it put me to shame because I was such a strict mom. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that was the only regret I have. I was so well, strict and I would well, have said very mean things to him. <laughs> you know he has no judgment of that from across the veil and I don't think that... He even minded that when he was here. Definitely not, because he has uh, spoken with fellow uh, classmates, even at the university level, saying that, uh, of course, he was at that time keenly aware that, you know, mom will always be very straight, but he said, mom loves me. There you go. That was of course. Tough his, love. <laughs> yeah. So he's appreciative, you know, of expectations who may heap on him, but he knows that he has to apply himself the best he can. And he did. It's impressive. Uh, Very impressive. 
So let's shift gears here a little bit now and talk about um, anything in your background, either one of you or growing up, that suggested that there's life after death or that our loved ones can communicate from the spirit world. Well, you know, we we grew up uh, in Hong Kong, both of us, Mm -hmm. and it was a very... It was very open in terms of beliefs. You know, we have churches, we have mosques, we have synagogues, temples, everything you can think of. So we grew up accepting everything, literally. Mm-hmm. But we well, both be open, to. be open, yeah. yeah. But we both went to Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. I we were both in Catholic schools all the years before university. You mentioned the name of your secondary school. It's called Sacred Heart. <laughs> and mine why is, is that uh, significant? That's our brothers. Yeah, mine, mine was a very, very strict, you know, run by Italian nuns. So when Leo passed, did you know to begin looking for signs? Or to, did you know in your hearts that he would still be accessible? Yes, you? yes. I, I had no doubt that he's not gone. The five days that we were with him at the, the intensive care unit, yeah. actually, I think I shared a, a, what's called a, a shared death experience I never Ooh. talked about. Um, I knew that he was still with us, but at t- that time, I didn't know so much. And I started looking for him, you know, mm. as soon as I've settled down. And what did you find? <clears throat> well, the third night, I mean, the night we came home from Victoria, where he passed, the minute CK stopped the engine of the car. In the garage, obviously. In the garage. Of the apartment. He said to me, I've never heard you hum in all these years of our marriage. <clears throat> As of today, we've been married for 42 years. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, 30-some years. And you're humming a song I as you arrive home after Leo's I passing. I was not into uh, singing or mu- too much of the music side at all. Because I was told as a child that I, don't sing, I didn't sing well. Mm-hmm. I never sang. And then I was so lighthearted and singing, actually humming. Humming, humming, yeah. And... Uh, when I got home, I sat down, and I thought, how could I know the name of the song? Because my response to CK was, don't you know? That's the name of the song. I even gave him the name of the song. Oh, and what was, what was it? And it was a song, if I have to translate it, it would be something like the full moon, the beautiful full moon, Oh, the blossoming, the blossoming flowers and the auspicious full moon. And it was, when I found out the words, the lyrics, it was a poem depicting the scenery, having the full moon and then the beautiful pond with the, what I call the mallards, the ducks that always Mm -hmm. swim in pairs. Denoting mm-hmm. unity, denoting family, harmony, that type of thing. 
And at the end of the, the poem, it was a blessing to the world. That's what I found that. I found out about the lyrics almost close to midnight, and I knelt down, and I said to Leo, Leo, thank you for sending me that song. You have transcended. You have transcended time and space. You he know. He would not have heard about the song at all when he was with us. Mm-hmm. But after passing, he was. Able to quote a song, actually in the 1940s, sung by a very famous uh, uh, Chinese uh, songstress based in Shanghai. So the time and the setting all different, but mm-hmm. he was able to draw from that uh, song mm-hmm. to tell us that things are okay. Things are okay, an, an immediate ah. message. It's better than okay. He's telling us that, you know, it's the, oh, actually one of the phrases is, this is the best reunion huh. in the song. And so there you of, are in the, in the worst moments of your life, truly. In the worst and moment. He's and, uh, giving you a message re- of hope. Yeah. yeah. And somebody reminded me and said, of course, he is really home. His yeah. home in the spirit realm. But for me, he's telling us, I'm fine, mom. When we're always together, I'll always be with you and Dad. Very reassuring and very comforting, put it that way, when you were at the time really in a state of shock. Sure, sure. Because of, of, of the trauma, you know, being faced with such a big change in the household. Well, I'll tell you, you both embraced fully the awareness that he exists. You had the reading with me. And just before I move on to what I wanted to say about that, I remember one of the the greatest moments when I first felt Leo and he described how he passed and he described I could feel his personality. But he shouted out to me, I'm monkey boy. And that was so strange (laughs) to me. Remember? Yes. And why was that significant? Tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah, of course, when he was here, he didn't like to be called monkey. He told me, Mom, I'm not a monkey. <laughs> but his grandparents used to call him that because he was born in the year of the monkey. How about that? When yeah, I heard I, that, and this, this was a while ago, um, and my first reading for you was quite a few years ago. And, I mean, even to this day, I'm awed by the things those across the veil get through. But I'm monkey boy. I mean, who can deny that? Right away he he was with you and I told you I said to you, Suzanne, you've got our boy. Oh yeah. We have him and, and he's and he comes back in so beautifully with current events. But you too, I remember traveled down when I came to uh when I went to Seattle to teach my yeah. class and how to connect across the veil. There you were, sitting in the audience to learn to connect better with him yourself. Yeah. Would you share with what's that, CK? That uh, course. course was on serving spirit, and I was saying, you know, at the end, that maybe I won't be a good bartender, but definitely we have learned uh, you. Uh, <laughs> in terms, the class is called serving okay. spirit, and CK says I'm not going to be a very good bartender in serving spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both. 
CK and I both uh, signed up for the course. It was a weekend course in Tacoma, uh, uh, Washington. Washington. And I remember it was a, a Saturday oh, oh, and a Sunday. Yeah, Tacoma, that's right. Yeah. But I just yeah. I don't want to talk so much about the course. I was just so impressed that both of you coming together, you're just such a team. And it's true. It's just you could tell that you two were on that mission back then. We're going to learn how to connect with Leo. So we have just 10 minutes to go. Why don't we just why don't you share maybe your top three favorite, most jaw dropping signs from Leo that he's around or just what strikes you in your heart that will touch people the most? Okay, I would. But before that, I'll say we. We do you remember Leo dropped in when we were in the class? Oh, in the coma? vaguely, vaguely. He dropped in. This was a Sunday afternoon. The, the, the course was almost over. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting in the second second row and was feeling very sad because I thought, wow, all these people, most of them are mediums, and I would love to hear from my son. And then right away I saw you pointing the, your finger at us. And then you were telling us, giving us the messages from Leo. That's right. I have goosebumps. I said, oh, my gosh, Leo is here and basically did a little reading on the spot in front of everybody. He was not going to let you leave without the messages. Yeah. And and we were were so grateful grateful. because he knew. That's why I said he's with us all the time. Well, this is what the message is for everybody. Our, our loved ones who have passed are, are right here, just a different station on the radio. And we can all learn to adjust and tune into that frequency. And it's it's definitely helped uh, when you believe. And you both were open to that from the start. So what are some of the, the ways that he has shown you he's around? I would go to that because he's giving us signs every day, every single day. It was just uh, two days ago when he gave us a sign with his name, L-E-O, in black and white, on a, on a car license plate. <laughs> just draws your attention to that. Do you, do you oh, want to give well, away we why just, his, his, there's something encoded to... in his name you talk about in the book? Yes. And you know what? This is the seventh time, seventh time, we have got that Leo on a license plate. I'm going to send you my blog, my my <laughs> blog post on that. And um, then encoded in his name, as as you have said, it's in the book. Do you want me to say that? Well, let's just we'll let everybody go find it for themselves in the book. I want to talk more about some of the ways he lets you know he's around. It it opens people's minds up to how to look for things. It's it's not just coincidence that you look up when there's a the name Leo on a license plate. It's our loved ones across the veil who grab your attention and say, look over here now, or we could easily miss these things. Yeah. And this is, and there's a message every time. It's not just a sign. Like the one time we were going to send the book overseas to some of CK's old friends in Hong Kong. We had to stop at this particular parking spot. And the moment before we entered the place where we can mail the book, there was a car park right there with his name on it. Oh, yeah, it's the, the timing, right? Is, Thank you, Mom. Thank you for spreading my messages of hope and love. It's meant for the whole world. Absolutely. Every time I hear, I hear something. Huh. And, of course, with the calling codes, what I wrote about in the book, he has some calling codes, the numbers, that I know right away when I when I see them, 810, 
303 is a code for mom. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that we have been living in a place with the number 303 for the last 25 years. How is it in that in your place? We live in a condo, you know. Mm-hmm. We are on the third floor. And our unit is 303. <laughs> and 303, I found out, is a code for young people when they text. It's mom. Oh, no kidding. It's a texting code like BFF. Yeah. <laughs> and I okay, I wonder about... how many Shining Light moms listening to this program are going to start seeing 303 everywhere now. <laughs> Ask your kids to show it to you. That's how it works. They show it to you. They're going to snag your attention and say, Mom, I'm here. I'm going to show you 303s. But you seem to, you're not only living in apartment 303 or condo 303, but it shows up in other Everywhere. Places. Everywhere. I guess the main, main, main thing is when you have heightened awareness, then somehow you are more cognizant that those are the messages meant for you. But in case, you know, you don't pay attention to it, that may happen. You may see it, but you're not aware that these are messages for you and you find comfort. In being able, Absolutely. you know, to receive message from your loved one. So, that's, how so I, that's be- really. beautiful, beautifully said, CK. So for mm-hmm. both of you, what are the messages that you have for others who are in deep grief now, whether from losing children or spouses or others that they love so much, especially around the holiday season? Well, you know, I, well, um, of course, it, it's, I, I can understand. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I've forgotten what it was like. I remember when I was in the was in intense grief when I couldn't even get out from bed. CK sat down on the bed and said to me, "It has already happened. You cannot bring him back to life, but you can change the way you respond to what has mm-hmm. happened." I and think you have. Mm-hmm. have, and all of us who are on this healing and journey have to remember that it's a journey of transformation. It's a it's a, it's a, a journey, journey of transformation, spiritual growth, spiritual growth, and spiritual. we have to be open-minded and be able to uh, explore different things. I guess during the uh, some eight and more years since his passing. We have gone through a lot. There are moments, of course, you know, that we are still pretty much missing him. But of course. there are more and more moments of joy because we can see Leo is still around. And in case, you know, we are open-minded about different ways to look at things, then we would find comfort in all those moments. And that, and those are so very important, especially now that we are in the holiday season, because holiday seasons are the times when we are very uh, sad because you know our loved ones are not with us. Leo is not with me, but in case I feel he is always with me, then that doesn't matter. Well, it still matters a lot to me. 
Suzanne. Sure. I feel the the missing of the physical part is, <laughs> is very unbearable, especially at this year-end time when people are getting together with their families and loved ones, even though it's in a different way now because of yeah, the Yeah, he's, he's your only child. and it's, it's my it's only very... child, and, you know, we, we actually we don't have anybody around us. And um, I'm, I'm always saying, now every child that I see is my child. Hmm. Um, you know, it's... it's you love me as you love others. Yeah, that's, and another thing he has said to me right at the beginning uh, is, Mom, love all the other children and young people, like you have always loved me. That was mm. what I heard when I lie down on my bed. And me too. And then I compare Nooks with CK. He heard the same thing. Oh, wow. Wow, I got goosebumps with that one. More children now. Yeah, everybody <laughs> is one child. everybody's my child. I have the obligation to love them as much as I love my own son. I mean, it's hard that, for people that, to believe, but I live by that now. That absolutely rings of Leo's energy. Wow. Yeah, and then, and then, of course, I have to share this with all your listeners. Um, this is a difficult time because of Christmas. And then my birthday is coming up in 20 days, exactly 20 days. Mm-hmm. In the past, we always celebrate together. And the picture that I sent for for the announcement is a family picture of the three of us together. That was exactly nine years ago, the last birthday celebration we had together as a family. That was a very special picture, but I have to move beyond that. I have to move beyond thinking about my own birthday to thinking that Leo is very happy on his mission of peace on his mission to help humanity. Well, I have to tell you that we're just about out of time, but it's very clear to all of us that both of you are carrying on Leo's mission in the most beautiful way. And we thank you all for for sharing with us, for your courage, your inspiration, for carrying on Leo's legacy. Usually we carry on parents' legacy, but you're carrying on his. And I, I thank you for writing The Infinite Bond. Encourage everybody to read that and to check out leoinspiresus.com. Much gratitude to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. It was a brilliant article, the foreword that you write, that you have written for us. I would encourage everybody to read the book, especially Suzanne's foreword. (laughs) The whole thing is magical. Blessings to everybody, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. 
Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.